Hey lady, it's Dr. Dom here. If you like this show and you want to make your own, let me tell you about the free platform Anchor. It's a creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. You can add songs from Spotify and create any type of content that you are looking for. Anchor will distribute it all for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. On this week's episode in her space. So for me, it was a big conversation. So I text her a picture and she looked at it and she's like, no, it looks professional. It looks good. But I think about back to policing our hair, right? Like wondering, like, am I going to be viewed a certain way because I'm showing up with my hair in its natural state, right? And so it, it just makes me question and kind of challenge society in general. Not that society will listen, but like, why isn't black hair acceptable in this natural state? Why can't I come in with an afro? And this is in our community as well, because I know family members will be like, girl, do something with your hair. And they remember they gave um, Beyonce's daughter, Blue Ivy, such a hard time. Like, just so mean people online. Like, oh, she need to do her hair. How about her hair is in her natural goddamn state, and she going to have her edges when she 21? Right. Because she ain't doing all the extra stuff, because... That's a whole nother story when it comes to edges. And the stress that we put on our hair to meet certain beauty standards. Yeah. Been there, done that. Welcome to Her Space, a podcast dedicated to uplifting women like you. We're your hosts, Dr. Dominique Broussard, a college professor and psychologist. And Terry Lomax, a techie and motivational speaker. In a world where Black women are often misrepresented and misunderstood, please join us as we initiate authentic conversations on everything from fibroids to fake friends and create a safe space where Black women can just be. Ooh, y'all. Today, we got a touchy topic, so we just going to dive right in. Our quote of the day comes from India Ari, I am not my hair, or am I my hair? We could go back and forth in a debate on how much of your hair really is a part of who you are. Talking about Black women and our hair brings up so much. And in case somehow you don't already know, it's never okay to reach out your hand and touch a Black woman's hair without permission. I mean, seriously, how was that ever a thing? That's my sentiment. Terry, I know that's your sentiment. That's the sentiment of thousands of Black women across the world. And just to be accurate in our where we get our information from, I want to note that that was a quote from a Refinery29 article. And to take it way back, and yes, I echo all of the sentiments, all the sentiments that you just shared, Dom, for sure. And just to take it back to history, just a little bit before we dive on into the conversation, in the early African civilizations, hairstyles could indicate a person's family background, tribe, or social status. And just about everything about a person's identity could be learned by looking at the hair. This is a quote by journalist Lori Tharps who co-wrote the book, Hair Story, about the history of Black hair. Well, since we're taking it there and we're talking about history, did you know that in the late 18th century in Louisiana, Black and multiracial women 
were ordered to cover their hair in public? I did not, but I feel I feel like I heard it before, but I didn't do enough research to really look into it. But tell me more. All right. So just so we're clear on our history and just to give us some context, too, of what we're going to be talking about today, about the importance of our hair. Uh, in the late 18th century, there were new economic opportunities and growth that led to an increase in the number of free African and African-American women in, the, in New Orleans. And during that time period, women of African descent were known to wear their hair in elaborate styles. So, you know. We've been fly. We've been it. Been. Okay. Been since been. Okay. Since been. Okay. Since been. Since I been. love it. I love it. <laughs> and so when they would incorporate feathers and jewels into their hairstyles, they would showcase like that full magic and glory of what some people call our gravity defying strands. And oftentimes when we're displaying our magic, particularly during that time period, it made us appear wealthier than we actually were. So you already know. Mm -hmm. You already know. Mm -hmm. As a result, these enticing, quote unquote, enticing styles attracted the attention of men, particularly white men. So you know that was problematic. So to address this problem, in 1786, at the time, Spanish colonial governor Don Esteban Miro enacted the Edict of Good Government, also referred to as the Tignon Laws. These laws prohibited Creole women of color from displaying excessive attention to dress in the streets of New Orleans. Now, what does that mean? Basically, that means that we were banned from making ourselves look like ourselves. Essentially, there was a law governing how we were allowed to wear our hair. It's not surprising. And initially, what it automatically brings up for me when I hear this, hear about this law, because I wasn't really familiar with this, but what it brings up for me is thinking about how even today our hair is still policed. Isn't that wild to think that you can just be a human being and your hair grow out of your head the natural way that it was meant to grow out by God and it can be a political conversation? We can't just be. You can't just show up. It makes me think about this freaking disturbing video of this black wrestler. I don't know if you saw this, but you you have to Google it because it's insane. Black wrestler. I don't know all the context, but I'll give you the gist of what happened, right? So he's wrestling and apparently the either the coach or was it the referee? Some white man that was in charge at some point said that he needed to, his hair was in the way. He needed to cut his, I believe he had locks or dreads. Mm -hmm. And he basically said right there in the match, in order for him to continue to compete, he needs to cut his hair right there on the spot. And this black boy decided to, he wanted to compete. So he decided to go ahead and let them just cut his hair. And it was just so brutal to watch. And I believe he was crying as well. He went on to win. But just to think, you can't even just wear your damn hair the way God made it. And it's... So traumatizing. Isn't it traumatizing? And we've been through so much with our hair. I think about the documentary that Chris Rock 
narrated called Good Hair. And the comedian, remember that one? Good Hair. That was so popular in our community. And the comedian Paul Mooney states it plainly. And he says, if your hair is relaxed, white people are relaxed. If your hair is nappy, they are not happy. And this comes from a quote, I believe, from Vice, a Vice article that we'll also link to in the show notes. And it continues to say, a trailer for comedian Chris Rock's documentary, Good Hair. And it continues to say, Mooney is pointing to the fact that nappy hair is inevitably associated with something that is out of reach for white people, happiness. When you sport your natural hair, you are free. Your hair is wild. You have a new hairstyle every day. You are radiant. You are regal. And these are out of reach for most people, and it makes them unhappy. And this is something that was quoted. I actually didn't have a chance to really like process the quote, but that's their perspective on the quote that was shared. And for me, I really... I think about it and I'm like, I, I really don't even know what the big issue is. I know that back in the day when black people were making political movements, we, our people wore afros during the Black Panther movement and a lot of the, um, I want to say pro-black movements. And I think it was a way for us to just showcase that we can wear our, we can just be, like we can just be. We don't have to conform to your European standards of beauty. We can just be. And I think even to this day, like if you were to walk into certain spaces with a big Afro, people are going to look a little, they're going to look a certain way. Like I remember when I started wearing my natural hair and it kind of takes me back to even the messages that I got about my hair growing up. And I remember learning that my hair in its natural form, eh, it's not going to happen. Like, I need to do something with it. I need to put it in some kind of braids. I need to straighten it. I remember when I was younger, the creamy crack, that good old perm. <laughs> I could not wait to perm my hair. I used to get it pressed sometimes, and it was, like, such a big deal to wear it out. And I wish you could see me right now, but if you kind of tilt your head back and you you wave your head so that your hair, like, rubs, shakes, shakes, and, flows. shakes and flows on your back, that's what we used to love to do as kids. And I remember seeing my white friends when we would go swimming. Or I would go to their house and I would just look at their hair like, damn, they have their hair so long and they can just wear it out. I want to wear my hair like that. And I didn't have a great appreciation for my hair because one, we didn't see a lot of natural women in our community, not me at least, in my community and on TV. Everyone had their hair laid and and permed and fried, right? Laid, permed and fried. And that was the look. And I think over time that has changed, but that's one of the big messages I got about my hair when I was younger. It's not manageable in its natural state and something needs to be done to it. And I think that now times have shifted or they're continuing to shift to a space where we can be more accepting of our natural hair. Like I think about for myself when I went natural, ooh, at this point, like 11 years ago, 12 years ago, it's been a long time. But at that time period, finding natural hair care products was not a thing. Like you had to go on the internet. And I remember one of my homegirls had a blog. Uh, Maine and Chic was the blog. Shout out to my girl. And that was one of the first few uh, blogs and websites about natural hair and the journey of going natural, right? And at that time, like I said, it was hard to find products and it was hard to, I, I was hard pressed to find a lot of people who would be supportive because when you are trying to do something different, mm-hmm. it's so important to have people around you who are supportive. Yes. And so at that time, 
I remember when I did my big chopping, like I yes. cut off all my hair. Mm-hmm. And my family was not supportive. Fast forward to 2019, all my sisters are natural. My sister, who was probably the most outspoken, most oppositional, her daughters wear their hair natural. So it's interesting to me how times shift, right? So like you mentioned earlier, like in the late 60s and 70s, wearing afros and wearing your hair natural Mm -hmm. was a thing. That was a thing to do, to show pride in your blackness. Mm -hmm. And so I think about how our hair evolves or like not our hair itself, but how we style our hair and what's in fashion for our hair, how it evolves with the times. All right, lady, it's about that time. Dom and I want to share a few sponsors with you that we believe you'd enjoy. So stay tuned to get those promo codes and we'll hop right back into this informative conversation. Lady, as you know, this month is Women's History Month, and it's a great opportunity to highlight the stories of Black women specifically. Black representation holds significant importance in conveying possibilities to everyone, not just those of us in the Black community. I can recall growing up watching Oprah Winfrey and the Black newscasters in my hometown of New Orleans, and it showed me the importance of sharing my own stories and using my own voice. Well, the next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's latest collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of Blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's Black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, You'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. From Tracy Ellis Ross to Beyonce's Renaissance, Michelle Obama to the women behind the Montgomery bus boycott, there's no limit to the range of Black stories, Black truths. What I love most about Black Stories, Black Truths is the fact that the stories are from us and they cover topics we want to hear. I recently listened to an episode called Tracy Ellis Ross is an Icon and Our Favorite Rich Auntie. And it was just such a breath of fresh air to hear her perspective on her new projects, what she loves most about podcasts, and how she feels about being called the Rich Black Auntie. It was good. Now, you know, Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now, they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as varied, nuanced, and Black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be told about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get your podcasts. I'm just grateful that we're in a space where now like, we can wear our hair in a way that, in any way that works for us, mm-hmm. right? So I can wear my natural hair and it's cool. I see so many sisters with 
weaves and braids and all kinds of different ways of wearing their hair. And it's cool. I think back to when I was in college, one of my girlfriends, she went natural. She did the big chop and she was telling me about her journey and I was so inspired by it. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm on this journey of really just self-discovery. And I I felt like, you know what? Hair has always sort of been a crutch for me. It's like, I always got to get longer hair. I got to figure out how I can make it grow. And like hair was a very big part of my identity. And I've, my mom used to get me and my sister's hair done ever since we were younger. So I've always, I've worn weave at a young age and I would wear my natural hair as well. But we were so, I was so accustomed to getting it done. It was like this big thing. It was like, oh, I'm getting braids for Easter. I'm going to get them curled. And it was always an ordeal, like a five to nine hour our event, right, of getting the hair done. And it was so exciting to me. And I think that has stuck with me, which is which explains my current, just my hair journey in general. But when I think back to my friend telling me about her going natural, I was so inspired. And I remember being at college. I think I was a junior in college. I didn't tell my family. And I was like, fuck it. So we put the camera up. She chopped my hair off. And I literally had like a low cut. It was literally like you could see my scalp. It was so short. And I remember that night I drove to Walmart and I was like, okay, I'm happy with what I did, but what the fuck did I do? I remember going to Walmart and I felt like everybody was staring at me. I'm like, ain't no, don't nobody know I just cut my hair. I felt so paranoid. I remember getting a head wrap so I could like ease myself into it. But when I went home, people... My family was so rude. Like, I remember one of my uncles was like, you ain't never going to get married. What you do? Why you cut all your pretty hair off? I had one of my cousins said some rude shit. Uh, people thought I was, like, gay or, or like, you know, they said I was having, like, a, um, what is it, a nervous breakdown. Like, oh, you, like, it was just, like, all this stuff. And I'm like, y'all, it's literally just hair. Why does it have to be all these other things and it can't be just me defying the the standard of beauty that I've been subject to all this time and just freeing myself. Why can't it be that? And I posted my video on YouTube and very quickly I got like 10,000 views because it was such a new thing. And women were looking, it was like a movement within our community and women were like, I want to find other people to connect with around this. And I think so many bloggers and YouTubers really got their start around that time, which is really exciting. But it was like a very big thing. It was a big conversation, got a lot of looks, but it was so liberating for me. And I've been able to transition my hair. I'm still natural, but I've been able to do different things with my hair from that time. But I will never go back to the creamy crack. Like, I'll never get a perm again because I just love my hair texture and I have a great appreciation for my curls and all that good stuff. And I think, like you said, I think that it's it's a journey. But I want to go back to what you said about how like some of the rude things that people said and like and how we associate our hair with like gender identity. That's so that's so problematic. It's ignorant. That's so problematic. And I encourage people to go back and listen to our two episodes with Dr. Janina Garrett Walker, where she kind of lets us know what we how problematic a lot of that is. Mm-hmm. Right. To to insinuate that because you cut your hair off, there's a mental health issue. So, again, like we're saying that if someone has a mental health issue, that's a problem to say that some to say that someone is not conforming to traditional gender identity norms, that's a problem. And our hair is indicative of that? It's ridiculous. No, our hair is about expressing our love for self. And it's no one else's business, right? And I listened to a lot of NDIRE. I am not my hair because I really had to 
get like that was actually the the background of my YouTube video. It got flagged because I didn't own the rights. But anyway, um, <laughs> that was that was so important to me. And I think about even the guys that I attracted was very different. Yes. Yeah. I attracted a lot of older men or more mature men or more conscious men when I did have my my shortcut or my TWA because it was mm-hmm. it was definitely like an awkward phase for me growing it back out. But it was just so much more healthier and beautiful. And also, as a side note, no shame to anyone that gets perms. That was just that was just my opinion, and I've had a bad experience with it just damaging our hair and also seeping into our brain. Like it, it gets deep when you think about the chemicals in the perm. So no no judgment at all when I say creamy crack. That was just like. That's a a common colloquialism. But that raises a good point Mm -hmm. that we do have to be mindful of the common words that we use. That, yes, us calling a relaxer creamy crack, for a lot of us, that might be, that could be offensive. For sure. And so, yeah, we just do have to kind of be mindful of the words that we use and the effect that it might be having on those who... Still use relaxers. Exactly. Very true. Very, very true. I probably won't be using that one anymore because now it kind of makes me more conscious of that. (laughs) See, we are growing and evolving. But I do want to say I had this moment in life when I look back on it now, it kind of, it really saddens me. But I remember when I was job searching a few years ago and I remember I was preparing for my interview. I'm like extra, so I'm not extra, but I pick out my clothes before the night before. I'm trying on everything, making sure it fits right. Good to go. I got my resume, my little, you know, purse and all that. And I remember thinking, oh shit, what am I? going to do with my hair? That has been a question that's been like the bane of my existence. What am I going to do with my hair for an event, for speaking engagement, whatever? Is my hair done? What am I going to do with it? Thank God for head wraps though, because head wraps make it all easy. But at this point, I remember I didn't have, like, I didn't have my hair done, done, I want to say. But what I was thinking about doing is pulling it back into a ponytail. And for me, that means if it's not straightened, it's, I'm going to have an Afro puff, like a nice little curly Afro puff. Mm-hmm. And so I remember calling my mentor and I was like, I'm going to send you a picture. I have an interview tomorrow. Is it appropriate to wear my hair in a, in a ponytail? Mind you, I don't think a lot of other people have to consider or ask themselves, like, can I wear my hair in a ponytail for an interview? Because your hair is acceptable in its natural state, right? So for me, it was a big conversation. So I text her a picture and she looked at it and she's like, no, it looks professional. It looks good. But I think about back to policing our hair, right? Like, Wondering, like, am I going to be viewed a certain way because I'm showing up with my hair in its natural state, right? And so it, it just makes me question and kind of challenge society in general. Not that society will listen, but like, why isn't black hair acceptable in its natural state? Why can't I come in with an afro? And this is in our community as well, because I know family members will be like, girl, do something with your hair. And they remember they gave um, Beyonce's daughter, Blue Ivy, such a hard time. Like, just so mean people online. Like, oh, she need to do her hair. How about her hair is in her natural goddamn state? And she going to have her edges when she 21. Right. Because she ain't doing all the extra stuff. Because that's a whole other story when it comes to edges. And the stress that we put on our hair to meet certain beauty standards. Yeah. Been there, done that. So as far as, like, perming, let's just talk about all the things that, like, we've done, right? So perming, my edges, like, making sure that that junk is, like, laid down and fried down. Done that. Uh, Using glue in my hair. I don't do that anymore. But I used to use, like, the black hair glue. Oh, that track glue. The track glue, girl. Used to get stuck in my hair. I have cut out weaves and been so impatient that no one was there to help me that I end up cutting braids by mistake and missing the, the uh, what is yeah. it, the thread. Um, 
I remember when my mom, when I was younger, when she was locked up, I was left to my own devices. My dad didn't really do hair like that. And I would do my own hair. So I remember going out the house looking a hot mess several times. But for me growing up, being in charge of my own hair for so much time, I ended up really damaging my edges. And like I suffered from traction alopecia to the point where my hairline was, I mean, a lot of my hair was just gone. It was balding and would not grow back. For me, ever since I was about 15 years old, I've always wanted to do something about my edges. And I remember my edges were so bad, Dom. I mean, I already have a prominent forehead, which I'm very proud of because I heard that pretty smart women have big foreheads, just saying. Uh, But no, I have a prominent forehead and that's what I tell myself to um, make myself feel better about my big forehead. But anyway, (laughs) when my edges were gone, it looked like I had, I mean, my forehead looked like it started in the middle of my head. It was very bad because I didn't have edges. And so I remember ever since I was younger, I would have to like swipe, not swipe, but swoop my hair down into certain styles and maneuver it. And as I got older, I was like, I really want to do something about this. And I looked up a hair transplant online and I was like, let me look this up. So when I was in Right after I graduated from grad school, I looked it up, found a doctor, and he was just too expensive at that point. I literally just left out of school. I was like, I don't have the money. And so funny story, a few years, maybe like four years or so after that, moving to San Francisco put me closer to that same doctor I researched years ago. And I think in December, it'll be, I think, three years since I've had my personal like hair transplant. So I had my edges done so that I actually have like hair there. So we'll add a link in the show notes. I did a whole blog post, like a whole YouTube series on that process, like literally walking you through. So I got some crazy YouTube photos of me out there, but I've shared my story and so many women have reached out saying, girl, like, can I get the details? Like I'm struggling with traction alopecia or just alopecia in general. And I think it's something that's really big in our community because of the the pressure we have when it comes to our hair and what we've done to sort of maintain that status. So for those of us that might not be aware, can you talk to us a little bit about what is alopecia? Ooh, so I ooh, I, I don't want to give like a general definition. I would say Google alopecia. I know for traction alopecia, that's the one I can definitely speak to like mm-hmm. a little bit more eloquently. And traction alopecia is basically hair loss due to uh, friction. Hair loss due to friction. So for me, it's like I used to put rubber bands in my hair and pull my hair back real, 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 real tight and just like just pull it so hard. And so from all that traction over the years, it pulled out hair follicles and they just didn't grow back anymore. It was like, sorry, we out. Like, we're not coming back. And so there was nothing I could do. I tried the castor oils. I tried the do grow. I tried all the potions and oils on planet Earth. No, but I tried a lot of things and it didn't work. So that was the option that worked best for me. And it is one of the best decisions I could have made. And so when we think about like the emotions that come up with that, like what are, can you talk us through or walk us through some of the emotions that you were experiencing? Prior or like during the process? Both. Oh girl. So I would say prior, I mean, as someone that is now, like I've kind of not, I mean, I ain't like a big deal or like a big person, but like going from a place of obscurity where like, I don't, I'm not really on social media. I don't really have a presence. I don't do much where people see me to a place of like, oh, I'm going to be on stages now. So I'm watching videos and I see myself on video and I'm like, oh damn, my hair is thinning right there. And you just see yourself, you're taking pictures with people for like speaking engagements and for events. The thing that stood out to me even more, and I was like, I've always wanted to do this since I was a kid. I would really love to get this done so I can wear my hair up in a bun. I have never been able to do that without having to use some kind of 
something to cover up the edges. And so for me, that was a big thing. It's like my appearance in these different settings that I'm in now. And as far as throughout the process, it was a very, it's a very like, it could be a very grueling process. And so for me, just to give you a little sort of overview of like what they do, basically they make an incision in the back of your head. They, I believe it's called grafts. They use grafts from that incision. They basically like slice the back of your head just to make it very, yeah. Blunt. It Mm -hmm. is. It is what it is, right? And they take the hair from the back and they implant it in the front or where you're missing hair. So it's still your hair, but it's just them taking hair from a different space where you have an abundance of hair, putting it in the space where you don't. And then from there, your hair just grows out naturally on its own. So it's your hair that grows out. And so it's really cool. But in order to do that, the procedure that I went with, they had to shave the front of my head. So the whole like front, the First, I would say, oh, I don't know, five inches or so back from my forehead was all shaved. So that process took about six months for it to grow back. So I was stuck with head wraps. I still had a job. So, I mean, I, I endured a lot of swelling. If you look at the YouTube video, um, and I'm working on a documentary about it, too, because I'm like, I want to show other women. I mean, my head got super big. You know the alien emoji? Mm-hmm. That's how my, my shape, by day three, my head was shaped like that. Um, my face was very swollen. I know another girl on YouTube, she had black eyes. So it can be very intense. But after going through the process, being able to do what I can do with my hair, like not being worried about how the wind blows and which style I can wear, it, it was a life changer. Wow. <laughs> yes. Wow. Yeah. The things that we endure for our hair. Mm-hmm. Hair. Yeah. It's a big deal for a lot of us. So when we say, I am not my hair, mm-hmm. Are we? Maybe we are. Maybe we are. Damn. Now that you're in a space where your hair is different, right? How would you define or classify your hair now? Because my guess is you didn't, you weren't really feeling good about your hair previously, prior to the hair transplant, right? And like when you first started experiencing hair loss, how would you describe your hair now? All right, lady, it's about that time. Dom and I want to share a few sponsors with you that we believe you'd enjoy. So stay tuned, get those promo codes, and we'll hop right back into this informative conversation. Lady, as you know, this month is Women's History Month, and it's a great opportunity to highlight the stories of Black women specifically. Black representation holds significant importance in conveying possibilities to everyone not just those of us in the Black community. I can recall growing up watching Oprah Winfrey and the Black newscasters in my hometown of New Orleans. And it showed me the importance of sharing my own stories and using my own voice. Well, the next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's latest collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of Blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's Black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today told from a unique Black perspective. From Tracy Ellis Ross to Beyonce's Renaissance, Michelle Obama to the women behind the Montgomery bus boycott, there's no limit to the range of Black stories, Black truths. 
What I love most about Black Stories, Black Truths is the fact that the stories are from us and they cover topics we want to hear. I recently listened to an episode called Tracy Ellis Ross is an Icon and Our Favorite Rich Auntie. And it was just such a breath of fresh air to hear her perspective on her new projects, what she loves most about podcasts, and how she feels about being called the rich black auntie. It was good. Now, you know, black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now, they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the black experience. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as varied, nuanced, and Black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be told about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR wherever you get your podcasts. I would say, I mean, it's great. I think it's it's how it pretty much how it was when I was younger. And to be honest, I didn't really have an issue with my hair. It was more so just the edges. Like everything else, I was like, I love my hair. I, I did my big chop and everything. Like I love my hair, love the texture, love my curls. I've worn it natural, but it was just like the edges. I There's not much that I can do where I feel comfortable without showing bald spots. You know, it's like that. that's not cute. You know, you take a picture and you got a shiny bald spot showing. It's just like... That, you know, so it's like that was the thing that was really big for me. But I think now I'm, I'm content. I can do like I can do so much more with it. I can put my hair seriously down. I can put my hair in a fucking bun, like a high bun. I could never do that before without literally like and you. I'll show you pictures. If you see the YouTube video, you'll be like, oh, shit, she wasn't lying. Like literally could not do that style. And that makes me think about, you know, how we classified hair growing up. There were messages I got about, oh, you got good hair or like. I remember hearing that, oh, you need to, you know, if you don't have that good hair, quote unquote, you need to be with someone that has good hair so your babies can have good hair. You need to marry a white man or have a baby with a white guy so you can have some good hair. And those were messages that I know I heard growing up. But let's just dive into the fuck is good hair? Good hair is any hair that is growing out of your scalp. Hair on your motherfucking head, okay? That's good hair. Forget all the type, oh, 4C and 4B and ZP. No, like you have hair on your head, your hair, whether it's kinky, whether it's curly. I mean, our hair is beautiful by nature and it's versatile. Like we live in this world today where it's like everything got to be this one way. And there's one very narrow and sort of confined definition of beauty when it's like, no, the beauty is in the versatility. Okay. Right. Just that ability to... Okay, so today, like I, if you all have seen pictures of me, you know that right now my hair is short. I love it. Personally, don't plan on changing that anytime soon. Because <laughs> it's wash and go. Yes, so oh, easy, Dom. It's so uh, easy. So, yes, so easy. Yes. But over the years, I've worn braids. I've had my natural hair longer. So, like, I would get it straightened or I would wear a puff. And I could go from braids for a few weeks to taking the braids out and wear that puff for a while and then decide oh wait wake up one morning and it's like you know what I think I want my hair to be straight today and straighten it and that's just I appreciate that versatility of our hair I will say one thing that's annoying though for me is when you change your hair and people don't recognize you. And typically it's not black people, right? They don't recognize you. And that makes me think like, am I, like, do you see me? Like, do you really see me? 
Do you mm-hmm. see my face? Do you see my features? Like, do you see that I am a unique person? Oftentimes, you know, people, you might compare people of the same race and say, oh, these people look alike. And folks will say, oh, no, they don't look alike. They have, you know, this color eyes and that person has a bigger nose. It's like, do you really see people or are you only seeing their hair? Like, what are you seeing when you see them? Because me personally, like if I'm not, I'm not dressing up in a costume, I'm literally just changing my hair. How does that make me look that different? Though I have heard from people that are like, you do look different when you change your hair. Like even my family, like they'll say that. But I mean, this happens to a lot of black women where it's like, you literally take your hair out of braids and you wear your hair in a, in a low bun and people are like, oh, did you sign in? It's like, girl, I work here. You see me every day, you know? And I think that's really annoying. Uh, One, so it's like, see people, make sure that you are seeing people and not just their race or not just their hair, but like see the person. And it makes me think of this Refinery29 quote that says, things like gawking at, commenting on, or cracking jokes about a Black woman's latest style switch up are equally inappropriate and can make Black women feel singled out. So literally, you can leave it at, I like your hair. That's it. I've had people at work say things like, and out of my current job, but just at you know previous jobs, uh, how do you wash your hair? I wash my hair the same way you wash your hair. This is this is inappropriate. I don't want to be a spectacle. I want to show up in the style that makes me feel like my best self and allows me to express myself creatively and let it be that. It doesn't need to be this whole conversation or presentation or cannot touch. How do you do? How long does it take? Do your own research. You can go to Google and YouTube. I, I think I don't think people understand, non-black people understand how kind of ostracizing that can be when you single someone out and ask all these details. And I always compare it to something that's like dealing with your body because it is an extension of us. So if you notice that someone comes in and their breasts are like so much bigger, they could go from like an A cup to a double D. Are you like, how did you do that? Where did you go? How did it feel? How long did it take? That's my only sort of, because it's so inappropriate and it's so bizarre to me. That's how I feel when people ask these inappropriate questions about hair. It's like asking about something on my physical person. It's really none of your business. Right. These and But those are like the frequent microaggressions that we will experience as Black people. That our hair is up for discussion when it's really not. Mm-hmm. And it's one thing to really be curious and want to know, like, oh, how did you style your hair that way? Because if you go from wearing your hair straight to wearing it curly, like, well, how did that? How did that happen? Mm. No, <laughs> I'm no. with I'm with you, Dom. Because I feel like yes, it's okay to be curious, but like, just do your own research. I I feel like they shouldn't have to subject the person that's there. And I've been that person where it's like. I mean, I told you, growing up in schools and having a lot of white teachers and I, my mom would change my hair and, oh, can we touch your hair? How long did it take? And it's like this big thing. So I've become accustomed to it. But now I'm like, it's really inappropriate. And so I think if they are curious, like if you have a really good friend and they're willing to explain it to you, okay. But like, don't expect that to be the, the norm for people that you do not have a relationship with because it is really inappropriate. Like when you think about it, if someone comes in and let's just say, okay, this is a little different, but it's like they have something different that's about like with them right so whether it's a disability or maybe it's like I don't know there's something that makes them unique like you wouldn't ask detailed questions about it to like make them does that make sense yeah and I'm with you on that I agree so when is it ever okay I think it's okay if the black woman initiates it. I don't think that it should be, I don't think anyone should be comfortable to ask those type of questions, especially if you don't have a rapport with the person. Now, if someone is 
Some people don't mind. Like, so you might be listening to this and say, I don't care if people ask the questions about my hair. That's fine. That's you. But I don't think that it should be this sort of blanket sort of assumption that all black women are down to kiki about their hair and tell you all the details about how they wash it and how they do that. I I think I'm over that at this point in my life, these 20 some years of like putting up with that and and having uncomfortable conversations and letting people touch my hair when I was younger because I was a kid and I didn't know any better. I'm like over that. And so for me, it's just me, my experience as a black woman. I'm like, no, I'm okay. Like, mm, I don't really want to, I'm not a spectacle. Let's just have, let's talk about something else, you know? So then how do we set that boundary? So, because people will be curious and people mm-hmm. will say, people will want to know. So something's different about your hair today. How do we respond to that? Or can I touch your hair? Or they're reaching out to touch your hair. Yeah, it's definitely happened. And it's it's a very awkward situation. And also very, it can be very traumatizing. I had a black girlfriend that happened to at work and she like went into a panic. She wore her hair in an afro and she like, text me was like, girl, this woman just touched my hair at work. And like, what the fuck? Like, it's so inappropriate, right? So I think when it does happen, one, I can say, you know what? I just I just recorded a podcast about this topic. Let me let me send you this podcast episode. That's one way, right? Um, also, just like, you know, that, that's really inappropriate. That's a microaggression. Or if they're reaching for it, like move their hands. Like I'm getting better with if someone has the audacity to reach for my body, I'm going to have the audacity to push your hand away because that is totally inappropriate. Don't touch people, right? So that. And then also maybe even I, I typically keep it very simple. So it's just like, oh, thank you. Yeah, I changed it. How was your weekend? Mm-hmm. You know, just because it's okay. it. I think people should sometimes kind of catch on. Disarm them and also people should catch on the subtle sign, you know, subtle signals and signs. Everyone doesn't know. So I think unfortunately, again, we are in a place where we have to do some teaching, which is like what we always have to do. We gotta teach everybody about the black experience and what's offensive because people just either don't know or don't care to learn or don't care to do research. So I think there are a lot of different ways that we can let people know. Okay. Now we've talked a lot about some of the the trials and tribulations of, of mm-hmm. our hair and our hair care journeys. Mm-hmm. What are some recommendations that you have for for our listeners who are thinking about how do I get to that space of really embracing my hair and loving my hair? That's a good one. Because so I've been torn on this, right? Growing up, like literally, and I have pictures, like since I was probably in elementary school where I would get extensions and get braids and that's been it's just been so fun for me I love big just like just big hair thickness and all that and so I wear my hair in its natural state sometimes but I love to add additions and and wear weaves and so I've been kind of toying with myself like well do you really like your hair if you're wearing extensions and weaves or is it just a a, you know a sense of self-expression and so I think just figuring out for yourself like what's important to me what makes me feel comfortable and I don't think we should shame anyone who does you know like we said earlier, if you want to get a perm and that's what's best for your hair, do your thing unapologetically. Who gives a fuck what people think, right? If you want to wear your weaves, if you want to wear your purple hair, I think it's all it all boils down to you doing what makes you feel good and loving yourself in the process and like doing it without care of what people think because it's all it's really all about you and what you're comfortable with and what allows you to show up as your best self. I'm with it. And so as we kind of wrap things up, one of the things that I would encourage us to do is to dive into the Her Space Sanctuary and share resources. Because one of the things that we know for sure is that no matter where you are in America, 
we have a hard time always finding our products, always having access to the products that work best for us. I particularly think about our college kids who, I'm sorry, let me not call y'all kids, our college students. There you go. (laughs) And when they're off somewhere in the middle of nowhere and they're going to their local Walmart or Target and, and they might not even have a Walmart or Target nearby, how to find those, the places near close enough to campus that sell the products that they need. Because they maybe they don't have access to Amazon. Oh, I was about know? to say, girl, you better get that know, Amazon, Amazon Prime Amazon. student discount. Get that thing next day. Okay. Yeah. But what if Amazon isn't an option for yeah. them, right? Or, and, and so I encourage us to log on to the HerSpace Sanctuary and share what are your favorite products to use? What are your favorite styling techniques? And what are your favorite places to go? And then also kind of maybe sharing shout out your favorite stylist, because I know I think about like if you're moving to a new area, trying to find that right stylist, that can be the hardest thing, the hardest thing, because again, our hair is important to us and who we allow to touch our hair Mm -hmm. is a big deal. Everybody can't be in that head now. Sure can. Okay. And so log on to the Herspace Sanctuary and share with us your resources so we all can be out here looking at, like our best selves. That's right. And don't you forget that your hair is beautiful. Good hair is hair on your head. And if you're rocking a baldy, guess what? That's good too. It's all about what makes us feel beautiful. And I think that we just have such a beautiful, versatile texture of hair, right? We look good in so many different styles and we can pull off so many different looks. And so just remember that our hair is our sense of pride and you are beautiful however you decide to wear your hair. Thanks for joining us today in Her Space. Please note that our show may contain conversations about self-help, advice, self-empowerment, and mental health but it is by no means meant to be a substitute for an ongoing formal relationship with a trained mental health provider. If you or someone you know is in need of mental health care, please visit the Therapy for Black Girls directory, Psychology Today, or contact your insurance provider. If you liked what you heard and want to keep the conversation going, connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at HerSpacePodcast. Or check out our website at herspacepodcast.com. And before we meet again, repeat after me. I release what no longer serves me to manifest what I desire. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week, ladies.